Hi, I'm Eric Chaffin, Senior Pastor of Beach Street First Baptist Church in Texarkana. Welcome to The Upward Call, our weekly Beach Street message cast. If this is your first time to connect with us, we invite you to discover more at www.beachstreetfbc.org. Beachstreetfbc.org. Thanks so much for joining us. We pray that today's message will inspire and challenge you as God speaks to you through His Word. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Uh, as you know, last week we started a new series. It's called Stuff Every Christian Should Know. The title lacks sophistication, but it is important stuff none the least. Uh, last week we were in 2 Timothy chapter 3, as you recall. We talked about how the Bible is inspired, how the Bible is profitable. Uh, for making the Christian complete and ready for every good work. But this week, as we get into John, uh, 1 John chapter 5, we're going to talk about the birthmarks of a believer. Let me give you a little bit of background. As the name suggests, the epistle of 1 John was written by John the Apostle. And the primary purpose of the book of 1 John really is to, to determine what love for other Christians looks like, uh, to define consistent obedience to Christ, and to establish the faithful confession that Jesus is the Christ. And all of those things work together to really present us with uh, some identifying marks of an authentic Christian. Now really the, the big idea behind these few verses we're going to read this morning is this. The identifying marks of a Christian are clear. And they give us assurance that our salvation is genuine. So if you have the place in 1 John chapter 5, I want you to read along with me. Beginning in verse 11, John says this, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Among all of the other stuff that a Christian should know, one of them is knowing that he or she is truly saved. I'll tell you, uh, I went through a period when I was about 33 years old where I really began to wonder whether my salvation was real or not. Uh, call it a crisis of faith. Of course, as I look back, I realize that, well, yes, my salvation was real. But you see, before a person can even understand whether or not their salvation is genuine, know whether or not they're truly saved, we have to understand what it means to be saved. So, let me give you a quick uh, crash course on what salvation means. First of all, salvation means that every sin is forgiven and forgotten. The writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 8, he's actually quoting a passage from Jeremiah. And God speaking through that prophet said, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. How reassuring it is to know that because we're in Christ, He forgives our sins. And then God willingly chooses not to remember. To be more specific, He does not hold our sin against us. Here's the second thing that salvation really means. It means that Jesus comes to live within you. You become the temple of God's Holy Spirit. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, when he says, What? 
which I guess in 21st century lingo would be, duh. He says, what? Do you not know, you know, that, that uh, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you? Because you're bought with the price. And of course we know as believers that price was the blood of Jesus. Salvation also means that God changes you. He changes you. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. But here's the fourth thing that salvation means. Salvation means an eternity in heaven with God. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, so you, you fully understand what salvation is, then it's important to know that your salvation is real, that you are truly saved. That's something that you need to know. That is stuff that you need to know. I like what the late Adrian Rogers once said. He says, better to be a shouting Christian than a doubting Christian. And John says here in verse 13 that these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, there, there's an old saying, you know, if you could have salvation and not know it, well, then you could lose it and not miss it. But here's the truth I want you to get. If you have genuine salvation, you're going to know it. You're going to know it. And other people will know it too. Why? Because saving faith is behaving faith. They'll see it in your life. See, you can have so much more victory and confidence in your life with Christ if you don't have to wonder whether or not you're really saved. Now, does that mean that we're never, ever going to have any doubts? <laughs> no. You know, but doubt doesn't necessarily mean that you're not saved. Okay, fact is, you know, we, we seem to doubt the things that we already believe in, not those things that we never believed in to begin with. So think of it this way. Doubt is to your spirit what pain is to your body. Pain doesn't mean you're dead. It, it just means that you're alive, but something ain't quite right. So doubt is possible, but doubt isn't profitable. It's not desirable. Full assurance of your salvation is necessary if you're going to be effective in your service to God and to others. You know, trying to live the Christian life with doubt, it, it's, it's kind of like driving your car with the parking brake on. Folks, we don't need a a hope so, think so, you know, wish so, maybe so salvation. We need a no so salvation. So we define salvation. We described how it transforms us. But how does it all begin? Well, the biblical term that we read is born again. A lot of people outside the church don't really get that term, born again. Well, basically it means a new birth. And the assurance of your salvation begins with this new birth. A little bit earlier in John, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, he says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You must be born again spiritually. Until that moment that you begin to believe your spirit is dead. Paul said in Ephesians 2, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Something happens when you trust Christ, so that spirit comes alive. You are born anew. You recall John chapter 3 when Nicodemus the Pharisee came to Jesus at night. What Jesus said to him, 
No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So what does all this born again stuff mean? Well, it means several things. Uh, this rebirth means, first of all, that a, a conception has taken place. The, the Spirit of God and the Word of God have somehow come together in, in the womb of faith here in your heart. So there's a conception that takes place. Also, there's a continuation that's involved. Think of it this way. Parents don't manufacture kids so much as they pass life on to children. Life is transmitted. Well, likewise, salvation isn't just getting man out of earth and into heaven. It's really more about getting God out of heaven and into man by way of His Holy Spirit. So there's a continuation involved in this rebirth. There's also a character that's produced in this rebirth. God replaces our sin nature with a new Christ nature. We are new creatures. New creatures are created. You know, not, not, a, not a frog from a tadpole, but really a frog becoming a prince who's been kissed by the grace of God. So a character is produced. There's a completion that transpires in the new birth. I mean, just like a newborn's, uh, a newborn's name is recorded on the birth certificate, your name is actually recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's a completed fact. You have been born spiritually. And once you're born spiritually, you can't be unborn. So a completion transpires. But then there's a commencement that occurs. There's a new beginning. When we come to Christ... We're not just yesterdays. We're all tomorrows. When we're born into Christ, we come fully equipped, equipped with everything that we need to be able to grow in Him, to be able to serve the body of Christ. So that assurance of salvation begins with that new birth. And if you've ever experienced the new birth, well, then you know there's some, some tests that uh, can really verify the authenticity of our salvation. That's really what we're going to kind of camp out on uh, this morning. So take out a half sheet of paper. Well, you think I'm joking? No, we're going to talk about Fort. No. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that, though, because I always said, they just put the fear of God into me when I was a kid going to school. Take out a half sheet of paper because you knew you were going to have a quiz. But we are having a test. Four tests. Four tests concerning the authenticity of our salvation. The first I like to call the commandment test. The commandment test. Uh, going back a few chapters in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. John says, We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys His word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. We walk His way, not our own way. I mean, the, the church isn't Burger King. Have it your way. Of course, I'm dating myself with that particular jingle. All those of you below the age of 40, you probably don't even get that. So just erase that part. We do it Jesus' way. I mean, He Himself said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And uh, it, it's interesting, our, our students... Uh, last Sunday, I actually started a new study on Sunday mornings in the book of Judges. 
Now, if you remember that story, it's like one downward spiral after another over a 400-year period. But there's one statement that really stands out among all the others in this book. And it's Judges chapter 21, verse 25, when it says, Seeing that there was no king in Israel, each man did what was right in his own eyes. That's a recipe for disaster. 400 years worth of disaster. So we don't do things our own way. We do it Jesus' way. Now, don't misunderstand here. Your salvation is not by works. We're not saved because we keep his commandments. We keep his commandments because we're saved. So if you're not keeping them, maybe it's time for a self-exam. Because again, saving faith is behaving faith. That's the commandment test. All right, here's your second test. The companion test. The companion test. Uh, John's got a lot to say about the companion test. Uh, going back a couple of chapters to 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, he says, We know that we have passed from death to life. In other words, uh, we have gone from being dead in our trespasses and sins to being alive in Christ. We know we've passed from death to life because... We love our brothers. We love our brother. Do we? I mean, do we, do we truly love our brothers and sisters in, in Christ, or do we just kind of tolerate each other? <laughs> you know, and I get it. I get it. People can be really irritating and annoying, and uh, more often than not, that's church people. Um, <laughs> I think of Cephas Montgomery. He had sinus problems, and he would snort during all the quiet moments in the sermon. Uh, Sally Jefferson, she's a close talker. She always seems to get right up in my face right after she's had a couple of cups, a cups of, of, of hot coffee. Uh, Doreen McGovern, she's an amen lady. Loves to say amen. But she always drops the A. She drops the A at the beginning, and then the men part, she kind of inflects upward like it's a question. So it sounds like, Men? Uh, Alfred Waldrop. Always wanted to, it, it seems like he always wanted to shake my hand right after I had just spied him picking his nose over in the corner. <laughs> and, and in case you're wondering, I made all of these people up. Okay, those are not real. Well, actually, there was a lady at our former church that did the amen thing. Men? Uh, here's the point before I chase too many rabbits. Just because Christians irritate us, doesn't mean we can't love them. And the mark of a, of a church that's filled with true believers is that we love each other despite our differences, despite our disagreements, despite our discomforts, despite our displeasures. We love one another. I mentioned 1 John 3 verse 14 a minute ago. Where John said, we know we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Verse 15, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And Jesus himself said in John 13, 35, By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Okay? 
yeah, you know, we, we may not like everybody in the body of believers, but that's okay. It's impossible to like everybody all the time. But we are called to love each other. We're even called to love those people who we deem unlovable. We're called to love those people who don't even want us to love them. Remember, if your salvation is real, you are a new creature with a new nature, a Christ nature. And love is the nature of Christ. So if we love Him, we love the things that He does. And yes, it's not always easy. Think of it this way. My daughter Katie, uh, she's actually 24 now, but when she was just a toddler, she had this little rag doll. And we called it her baby. And uh, man, when she was a toddler, these two were inseparable. But over time, the doll became, you know, tattered and, and dirty. And the sensible thing would have been to just trash the doll. But anyone who loved Katie knew that we couldn't do that to her. I mean, if you loved Katie, you loved the doll. Well, what the Apostle John is saying here, more to the point what God is saying through the Apostle John is, if you love me, you love my rag dolls. So there's the commandment test. There's the companion test. Here's the third one. The communication test. Let me ask you this, church. Do you desire to spend quality time with the Lord each day? Okay, now I'm not talking about your, your three-minute open windows devotional reading or, you know, that short uh, Bible app devotional that you listen to in the car. I mean serious time alone with God pouring out your heart to God in prayer. So here's a thought. If you don't, how can you be sure that you really know the Lord? I mean, how can you be sure that you really know someone that you don't choose to communicate with? As a young man, my mom always knew uh, what to make you know, when I came home for the holidays. Why? Well, because, you know, we, we communicated. And so she knew what I liked. I knew her. She knew me. As a result, she knew that I liked scalloped potatoes and, you know, uh, broccoli cheese and rice casserole and hot homemade rolls and pumpkin pie and pecan pie and <laughs> apple pie and sour cream apple pie, um, chocolate pie, coconut cream pie. Key lime pie, buttermilk chest pie. By the way, have any of you ever tried Tracy Ward's peanut butter pie? It's epic. I'm chasing a rabbit, though. Here's the point. One of these days, Jesus is going to host his bride for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Will he know what to make for you? It's like little, a little Patty and little Susie. They vowed to be BFFs, best friends forever. But Susie's dad got a transfer. Oh, I'll write. I'll call every day. BFFs. Well, time goes by. The communication comes more and more infrequently. You know, until not only are they not BFFs anymore, they don't even know each other at all. And years later, Patty gets Susie's graduation announcement. Susie? Susie who? Jesus in John chapter 10 
presented himself as the good shepherd and us his sheep. John chapter 10, verses 14 through 16. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. We're part of that flock, church. We know that we know him if we're listening to his voice. Now understand, you know, prayer, prayer that's, it's, it's two-way communication. All right, we're pouring our hearts out to God in, in praise and thanksgiving, in supplication, uh, petitions. We bring those to the Lord. But it's also listening. It's listening for his response. Now, there'll be some occasions when, you know, you might sense the prompting of his Holy Spirit and response, but more often than not, the way God is going to communicate to you is through his word. That's why it's important for us to constantly be in his word, spending time in prayer every day. So that's the communication test, all right? There's one more, the confidence test. You still got your Bible open? Look at verse 10 there in 1 John 5. John says, Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Any who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. Church, our confidence, our, our belief, our faith, our trust it's not just some intellectual exercise. You know, it's not merely intellectual assent to some uh, set of facts regarding Jesus. Uh, I lived in the state of Oklahoma for almost 25 years. Please don't hold that against me. Uh, but back in that area, there's a guy named Steve Largent, very well known in that part of the country. Back in the day, he was a member of the Golden Hurricane of Tulsa University, and he set all sorts of receiving records on their football squad. From there, he went on to a Hall of Fame career with the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL. And after retirement from the NFL, he capably served the state of Oklahoma as a representative in Congress for a number of years. But I heard him make this very astute observation one time. Steve Largent he spoke of fans who have collected his football cards. They look at his picture, you know, they, they read all the information on the back, the facts, the statistics, the, the biographical information. And somehow, because of that, they actually come to believe that they know him, when in fact they don't know him at all. You know what? It's the same with Jesus. You see, if you are truly in Christ. You don't have to just know about Jesus. You can know Jesus. You don't have to believe about Jesus. You can believe in Jesus. That's confidence. That's why Paul could write in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. All right, so a couple of questions before we end your exam today. Big question number one. Are you believing in Jesus right now? 
You know, I think some believers get hung up on not being able to remember the exact moment of salvation. Now, for other people, man, it was a cataclysmic experience when they turned from sin and turned to Christ and, and the Lord just radically transformed their lives. For yet others, you know, they may have grown up in a, in a family of faith where they were nurtured in Christ. And then, and then one day suddenly there was just, you know, that, that light bulb moment. And they realized that they were believing in Jesus. They were trusting him for salvation and eternal life. So here's an interesting question. When are you saved? I mean, usually at the, at the end of a service, you know, we'll have a time of response. You can call it invitation, altar call, whatever you want to call it. When we ask people to respond to whatever God's, you know, telling them to do. So when are you saved? Is it when, when you actually walk down the aisle? Or is it, you know, when you pray a prayer with, with the pastor? Mm -mm. Those are just outward expressions of an inward commitment that you just made in your heart. Okay, so don't panic if you cannot remember the exact moment that you trusted Christ. Because, hey, if you're trusting Him right now, then obviously at some point in the past you have come to that moment where you've started trusting Him. If you're saved but, but have doubts, don't look back to some past life experience to verify your salvation. Ask yourself this question right now. Am I trusting Jesus now? Am I believing in him right now? All right, big question number two. How can you know if you're truly believing at this moment? A couple of ways. Um, the first one is I, I call it the witness of the Spirit. See, according to 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, one who believes in the Son of God has that testimony within himself. I like the way Paul described it in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. He said, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Okay, now don't expect this, this, this witness-bearing experience to really be a particularly emotional thing. Because our emotions are the most shallow part of our nature. But salvation is the deepest part of the work of God. So don't expect God to do His deepest work in your most shallow part. Expect His Spirit to speak to your spirit with the quiet confidence that you belong to Him. That's the witness of the Spirit. But you see, you also have the witness of the Word. Paul said in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. 1 John 5, 13, really our linchpin verse for this study this morning. I write these things, John says. These things, he's talking about the whole letter, the whole epistle. I have written this letter to you, that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know not hope so, think so, wish so. You may know that you have eternal life. A few verses later in verse 24, he says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. 
And that really brings us full circle to the big idea behind these verses. The identifying marks of a Christian are clear, and they give us assurance that our salvation is genuine. So really, the, the, probably the most important question I need to ask you today is this. Do you bear the birthmarks of a believer? Do you know that you are a true Christ follower? Or are you just one of those people that you've been in church all your life because you had a drug problem? Mama drug you to church on Sunday morning. She drug you to church on Sunday evening. She drug you to church on Wednesday. She drug you to vacation Bible school. You know, maybe your involvement in church is because, well, that's, that's kind of your social club. You know, your personal support group. or You know, that's, that's something you get involved in to, to gain notoriety in the community. Well, if that's why you're at church, that's really the wrong reason. Though if that is why you're at church, that would explain why small groups tend to be kind of cliquish and it's hard for new people to break in. But for some people, church is their social group. You know, maybe instead of truly committing your heart and life to Christ, uh, what you've experienced is really more uh, cultural Christianity. Sure, I'm saved. I live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. God, guns, and glory. I'm an American, so I'm favored by God. Folks, America has nothing to do with your salvation. And if you believe that, well, that's a little thing called Christian nationalism, and it's a false religion. I love what Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, once wrote. He said, if you are at this moment holding on to any other confidence, I pray you let go of it and drop it into the arms of Jesus. And know, for God has said it, that the instant you believe in Jesus Christ, you are saved. Folks, do you, do you pass the commandment test, the companion test, the communication test, the confidence test? The Apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul said, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Do you pass? Are you trusting Jesus? Are you believing in Him right now? And if not, what are you waiting for? <laughs> you can begin a new life with Jesus right here, right now, today. His offer of salvation by grace is available to you. But it only comes through one means, and that's Jesus Christ, God the Son, who declared in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God the Father except through me. He made a way for us to God when we couldn't make a way for ourselves. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 3, 10 that, that none of us is righteous, and because of our unrighteousness, the Bible says that the wages, meaning that the price for our sin is death. Now, fortunately for us, it goes on to say that the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So thankfully, Jesus took care of that punishment. He took our place. He paid our penalty. And He's offering us new life today.
would you like to enjoy a relationship with God and eternal life with him in heaven? He's inviting you to. And trading your sinfulness for his righteousness, it's a pretty simple transaction. I mean, first of all, you acknowledge your need for him. You admit that you are a sinner in need of forgiveness and salvation. Then you repent of that sin. That word repent means that you turn away from it. You make an about face. You change your mind about the way you've been living. Then you make that conscious decision to, by faith, trust in him, trust in the work of the risen Christ, the one who died for you, who rose on the third day, and you commit your life to him. And the result is abundant life here on earth and eternal life with him in heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if you're here today and you've never made that decision to trust Christ for salvation, I pray you don't put it off another moment. It's the most important decision you will make in this life. It's the most important decision you'll make in the afterlife. Eternal life begins the moment you say yes to Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like to have a personal relationship with God, it's pretty simple. It's repent, believe, and receive. We acknowledge that we're all sinners who fall short, and we repent. That word means to change your mind about the way you've been living. Then you choose to believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for you, and you receive by faith God's gift of forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life. If you don't have a church home, we'd love to have you join us at Beach Street. Small group Bible study begins at 9.30 on Sundays, followed by worship at 10.45. There's a midweek Bible study on Wednesdays at 6. You'll find us at the corner of 6th and Beach Street in downtown Texarkana. And for more info, visit our website at beachstreetfbc.org.